This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hi, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is Carmen Burrow. This is Lynn Burrow, the founder of Summit Life Ministries. At Summit Life Ministries, our mission is to elevate the church's vision to see our identity through God's eternal purpose, to equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, and to empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. The last several episodes, we've been talking about David, the king of Israel. We've been talking about how he, through different situations and circumstances, had to strengthen himself in the Lord. And we were in a particular circumstance, but um, we just have been enjoying and encouraging ourselves in difficult times, our response to God, to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Yeah, we had been teaching a series on praying with God, but we felt this week because of circumstances that we're walking through that we want to be practitioners of, mm-hmm. of what we preach to others. Paul said, having pre- preached to others, I don't want to myself become a castaway. And so we want to make sure that uh, we're rooting and grounding ourselves in the, in the reality of eternity uh, living our life with an eternal perspective, knowing that God's eternal purpose uh, is not shaken or right. disturbed in any way, uh, and that we're rooted in that reality, not in the waves of circumstances. And so we had just shared that we we have a, a situation that we found out in our family um, and can't share details yet. But it was just a little painful moment. It was a moment of loss. And, and so, uh, you know, it was an emotional hit to our hearts. And so as a believer, no matter how strong you think you are, really faith is really not exemplified and demonstrated unless it's under pressure, mm-hmm. unless it's facing something. Uh, that causes anxiety or fear or intimidation. And so uh, Peter said this. He said, it is the trying of our faith Mm -hmm. that is much more precious than gold. And some of the translations try to say that it is our faith that is more precious than gold. Actually, in the original language, there is no doubt that it actually says (laughs) it is when faith is put to the trial, the because that's that shows the actual strength and purity of the faith mm-hmm. is when it's put into the furnace and there is the intensity of the heat upon it, that the strength of faith rises to the surface. That's why uh, a part of our mission statement is that we want to live a supernatural life of faith-filled, a faith that's ever-growing in its fullness and its uh, effectiveness. And, and, and in a demonstration of a maturity uh, as we live out our obedience to God. And sometimes obedience is not in, in, in big things, you know, spectacular things, you know, that we're doing this glory to God and, and God was able to use us in this way. Or sell everything and go to Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't always look spectacular. Matter of fact, it's in little micro moments of our life where we're faced with small challenges. But in the small things, I say, God, 
I'm, I'm going to respond to you mm-hmm. in faith. I'm going to trust you with the details of our life. And then there are also heavy duty circumstances that come uh, that also require a response of us of leaning into God's sovereignty and saying, God, I can trust you no matter what. And so that's kind of been the theme. And so in this, uh, this is the third teaching this week that we've talked about this subject of learning to strengthen yourself in the Lord. We've used David as an example. And David had this spiritual knack. He had this default setting that when he was under the gun and under intense trial, his faith turned not away from God, but to God. And one of the things in his own life that we see that he had this ability of spiritual recall that helped him reconstruct a history with God mm-hmm. that informed his present moment where he he knew that God was going to show up and show off in his life. God's faithfulness and greatness and glory would be seen. His goodness would be seen because of his history with God and his interaction with God in moments where his faith had to trust God in in moments where he didn't know uh, why or he didn't know what was going to happen or how it was going to work out. And so we want to be a people that learn to hope in God, trust in God, rely upon God, be confident in God's love, and allow the perfection of God's love revealed to us as we have known his love and believed in his love to cast out things that would cause us to be fearful. Mm -hmm. So today I want us to go to Psalm 23, and this is a deep well uh, that I've said in teaching this passage of scripture. This is a deep well that has served the people of God for thousands of years, and it came out of the heart of this young man who walked through many, many valleys and he had many mountaintop experiences. But here is this this man, David, a man after God's own heart. And the reason why he was called a man after God's own heart is because he learned to pursue the heart of God. He, he learned to know God's heart. He just didn't know God superficially, uh, but he was, he was a man that truly wanted to have a deep, intimate relationship with God and out of the depth of relationship. When you know somebody uh, deeply and you are intimate with that person, uh, other people can impugn their character. Other people can question their motives, but you know them. And so you go, no, I, I know them. That's not their motivation. And therefore, whatever actions they take, You cannot attribute a different motive to their action because I know the sincerity of their heart. David was confident in God. And so when he had this moment where his family was taken away from him, people turned against him. He could have just rocked and reeled from this moment and saying, God, why have you forsaken me? But he didn't. In that difficult moment, again, the default setting, the default setting of David's spiritual life, was I'm going to go to the one who's been my rock. I'm going to go back to the source of my strength. And I'm not going to turn to myself or to my feelings or to my own thoughts and obsess on why is this happening to me, but I'm going to go and I'm going to turn back to God. 
So I want us to look at Psalms 23. And this Psalm was written by David, not as a youngster, but this is one of the Psalms that David has written after you see that he's, he's, he's been somewhere. He's mm-hmm. walked with God for a while and he's known the consistency of the character of God over a lifetime. And many times we like to simply define this psalm as the Lord who is our good shepherd. But, you know, I think that that's only half of the story. That's only half of this psalm. And I want to feature in our time today more of the second half of the psalm, which I think is kind of neglected, um, even though it's referenced many times, but we we more readily quote the first part of it, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I will lack nothing. Mm-hmm. And his leadership causes me, even though I'm walking through transitions and even though I've walked through difficult circumstances, ultimately he knows the way through the wilderness and he's going to lead me into sustaining pastures. He's going to restore me and refresh me. And and so you need to know, I need to know that when I'm going through a wilderness moment where it looks pretty barren, the landscape is barren and it's dry and I've experienced levels of difficulty and I go, God, where is your resourcing in this moment? That wilderness is not my lifestyle. It's not my life story. Wilderness is just a transitional moment. That's good. God can teach me things of greater reliance, dependency, and trust in the Lord because I have to follow his lead. I can't wander off because you're not going to live very long if you don't rely upon the Lord and him knowing how to navigate through wilderness difficulty. Don't make it a lifestyle. And we see in scripture how that one generation of Israelites, they made wilderness a lifestyle. And, and they locked in a cycle of pain in their life because they would not trust in the Lord and they doubted his character. Mm. And it says, because they did not believe the good news, the gospel that was declared to them. And, and it was not the fullness of the gospel that we know in the new covenant. But God, God gave them good news. He said, I'm gonna give you a land you don't deserve, you didn't earn. I'm gonna give it to you as an inheritance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna fulfill a promise that I gave to your father and your grandfather, Abraham. And I, I'm gonna do it because I'm God and I honor my covenant and I honor my word. But because they would not believe the word that he spoke to them, their doubts and fears and unbelief caused them to be in a place where they got spiritually stuck. Mm-hmm. God was able to bring them out, but he wasn't able to take them in. And it wasn't because God was unable. He was willing to bring them in, but they would not allow him to bring them out of this wilderness moment into a place of greater fruitfulness because they got stuck. And and it showed that their doubts and their unbeliefs and their fears metastasized in such a way that they became these Bitter, grumpy, murmuring people. Ouch. And 
even in this state, this, you know, state of spiritual decay, God was still good to them. The Bible says their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. You know, God kept them in a certain way. Manna kept coming. He maintained them. Yeah, he maintained them with manna. But he wanted, his heart was to do so much more for them, but they just would not have it. And it was because they they rejected his leading of where he was wanting to take them. And the moment of pain caused them to live a lifestyle where they were just stuck into a wilderness lifestyle. So what's the part on Psalm 23 that is You want me to ignored? get back on text. <laughs> so David, unlike that generation, realized that the Lord was still a good shepherd. Mm-hmm even in transitional moments, Mm -hmm. even in painful moments, because he had seen the outcome of these transitional moments of pain was working something good Mm -hmm. and there was something better. And so David said, the result of his leading me, he's never led me through and in a wilderness to lead me there to die. That's right. He said, it is unto something. It's unto green, lush pastures. And then into living, refreshing waters. It's never uh, that the end of the story is the wilderness. There you're going to die unless you want to live there and stay. But the cloud moves on. God says, no, follow my lead. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the part of the flock that just says, I can't do this and I'm not going to go because I don't know where you're taking me. Mm -hmm. You will die there. You will die in barrenness and you will die of thirst and you'll die of hunger because you have not followed the Lord where he's leading. And many Christians, I see that happen in their own life. They get stuck spiritually because they experience some circumstance that was beyond their understanding and they doubt God in that moment and they just get stuck. It's like they get freeze framed in that moment of pain and they just stay there. And it's not, again, that God was not trying to lead them out. They just stopped following the shepherd. But David said, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. And I found out that he never leaves me in a place lacking anything. Even in a place where there is apparent lack, he's still supplying me. He's still feeding me. There are still resources that he's making available to me. And even though I may not know where the next oasis is, even though I may not know where the next moment of feeding occurs, the Lord knows where there are pastures to feed me so that I can graze because he's a good shepherd. I sometimes think I overemphasize this and some people may get tired of hearing this, but this thing, Uh, the truth reality about the goodness of God must become, again, an anchor stone in the life of God's people that we have to know the character of God Mm -hmm. and that I resolve in my heart in a resolve in the grace of God, I am never going to question the character of God. God doesn't have to prove to me again his character. God is good. God is faithful and God is great. 
and there is no circumstance bigger than him, no, no circumstance where his goodness cannot overcome any form of evil. And so I'm gonna rest in that. And David came to that same conclusion. He said, I will never lack anything, even in the darkest, most desolate moments of my life. There is a provision that Jehovah Jireh has gone ahead mm -hmm. and he has seen ahead for me and he's made the provision. And so he said, his purpose of these wilderness moments is to lead us into a, a place of restoration and renewal. Then David goes on to talk, and this is the second half of the Psalm that I think is neglected. He talks about being led through valleys that are filled with dark shadows. And uh, if you look at the, the, the Hebrew, the, the, the King James more uh, better reflects that. It calls, it calls it the valleys of the shadows of death or, or a, a valley of death that because of the deepness and the darkness of the valley, there's shadows where death could occur at any moment. So this, this, is, not a, this is not a valley where you want to say, kids, we're going on vacation, and this, this year we're going to go to Death Valley, and we're just going to enjoy every moment of this sightseeing adventure. No, there are so many crevices where sheep could get lost and to fall into. There, there are so many things that could imperil you in this journey. There are cliffs that you're navigating down into the valley that you could slip and fall and you could fall to your death. This is a valley that is so deep and so dark that unless you cling to the shepherd closely, following his voice, staying so close enough that you feel his rod and his staff with you because this shepherd knows the way through. He's leading you through a place that you've never gone before. You must follow the shepherd and you must stick close to him, following in his footsteps if you're going to go through it. But this is what I love about the psalm. Not only is he the good shepherd that knows the way before us, he knows the path. He knows how to navigate the terrain. Mm -hmm. He knows how to, to get down from the, the sides of the mountain, down into the valley. But then there is this revelation where God is not only our good shepherd, but he's also a faithful host. And this psalm could be entitled, The God Who Is the Hostess with the Mostess. <laughs> because who takes a deep, dark valley, a valley that is filled with shadows that could, you know, intimate that death is all around you? that death could be imminent, that death could happen to you. You may not live through this experience. Hmm. And God says, we've made it to the valley floor and we're going to now begin to go up the other side of the mountain. But before we do that, 
I'm going to not only comfort you uh, with my rod and my staff, but I am going to prepare a resting place for you in the middle of this moment. And I'm going to host a party for you. Who does that? <laughs> Only God. <laughs> Only God. The Bible says to us here in Psalms 23, he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There, there could be thieves and robbers just right around the bend, mm -hmm. hiding in some cliffs, buying some boulders. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, I'm, I'm the Lord of hosts. I am the God who can prepare a banquet table. I'm not just going to do a, a sack lunch picnic. No, I'm going to set up the tables. I'm going to prepare a feast. And I'm going to invite you in the middle of this dark moment to, to feed on a provision that I, I bring with me to feed you and sustain you in this moment. And then he says, not only that, I know the journey has been difficult and I know that there have been thickets and briars and there have been things that could prick you and poke you. And he says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to anoint your head with oil. I'm going to, I'm going to refresh you and I'm going to put healing salve upon any scrape, any bump, any bruise, any wound that that this moment of pain has inflicted upon you. I'm going to anoint you with an oil uh, of joy or a, a, an anointing of oil to bring healing to your wounds. And I do believe that it represents mm -hmm. an oil of gladness, an oil of joy, a delight that he can anoint us with, that his joy strength can be supplied to our heart to give us strength to say, I can do this. We're going to make it through this moment. But then he also says, I'm going to refresh your cup. I know you thought that you were going to get dehydrated here in the wilderness <laughs> and, that, and that you were going to die of thirst. No, I want you to know I brought adequate supply and I'm going to refresh your cup as I host you in this banquet in the middle of this desert as I've made a provision for you to feast upon my presence Feast upon my faithfulness and my goodness. I'm going to refresh your cup, not just once, honey, but over and over again. He, he's saying, again, this is not just a, a small little sustaining sack lunch. And then up ahead is where I'm really going to resource you. No, he says, guys, I'm going to show you that even in the most difficult of environments, I can feed my people and have them feast upon the overflow of the supplies that I bring with me to feed my flock to where they don't feel like they, they've gone through a famine when they complete the wilderness. They go, God has shown himself to be well able to not just sustain me and keep me, but, but to me to experience even a greater dimension of fullness that he can add to my life, even in the most difficult of circumstances. 
And I know we have to finish the episode, but I will say this. I have discovered more of the reality of the yeah. fullness of God yeah. in painful moments than I have in time of times of abundance. Agreed. Because in times of abundance, there's so much. It's like, I can't eat all that's here. You know, it's, it's like Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners combined. There is a moment where you have to say, there is not one more thing that I can eat because I'm going to explode because <laughs> of all the goodness. And there are things that you leave on the table. I wanted to have a piece of that pie, but I just can't take another bite. We just had a family moment this last weekend where we went over to your sister's and there was a family dish that was prepared. And I'm across from my <laughs> wife at the table and I'm watching I'm my enjoying. wife enjoy this family <laughs> dinner that over the over the years, her family has enjoyed this special um, German recipe. And I'm watching her and I'm seeing that she's even getting fatigued as she's <laughs> eating this food, you know, uh, because of the richness of it. I mean, it is a... It, it slows the heartbeat down to eat the richness mm. of this food. But my wife was going back even for more. And I was, I was chuckling at her, not because I was saying you shouldn't eat this, but I was enjoying her become fully satisfied <laughs> so at true. the abundance of this feast that she was experiencing. That's what God does for us yeah. in the deep, dark valley that we think this could be the death of me. God says, no, I'm going to use it as a place to reveal life to you, that this is not mm -hmm. the end. This is just a part of the journey where you're experiencing more and more of my fullness. And so he fills and refreshes our cup. And this is the conclusion of David. Surely, truly, if anything is true, this is true. Goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. You know, in the middle of this moment that we're walking through, I know this will be the, our testimony. We'll look back at this mm -hmm. and say, God, my mind is limited. I don't know how this can work for good. But once again, we, we, we see that surely goodness and mercy has followed us all the days of our life, even though I didn't know how this could be an expression of mercy and goodness and, and blessing. But surely you fed us in the wilderness. Yep. And our hearts have been fully satisfied with you in overflowing fullness. And not only now, but in the days to come, in eternity. And this is why this circumstance is already in my heart is being retranslated. Because I know that when I step into eternity, I will begin to experience something even in this moment that I long for in the days to come to be able to see his glory and his goodness. We love you guys. So I get to finish it out. So thank you for joining us. We keep our hope in God and we're strengthened because of who he is and who he never ceases to be. He is constant. He never changes. He is good. So we rejoice with you that we have a God who is like this. If you have any questions, you can put them in the comment section. If you want to find out more about Summit Life, you can look at summitlifeministries.com. God bless you.
What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.